Yes, indeed, and we continue in our study of our philosophy of ministry with our various W's. So let me invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll be looking at the first six verses today. You'll find it on page 828 or 948 because we have two different pew Bibles. One of those pages will contain the text that we're going to study this morning. Our four W's, worship, word, witness, and work. It's our practice every new year to spend some time reevaluating and thinking about why it is that we are committed to these W's. Last week, we talked about that very passage that you just read in the gospel, and that passage that we are called out of darkness into His light to declare His wonderful praises, to tell and retell the story of redemption that is ours in Jesus Christ. The week before, Pastor Belanger led us through uh, Psalm 119, a passion for the Word, a love for the Word, to be people of the Word, both in this place and outside. Today, my friends, we, we focus on uh, the W, witness. Witness in reach, in the body, witness outreach to the world around us. If we say that we are those that have been called out of darkness into light, and that's why we gather for worship, then how then does gospel living, living in the light, reflect that with one another? The way we live our lives together, the love that we have for the unity in the body, the love that we have for our fellow brothers and sisters is instrumental in being a witness to the gospel that we say is alive and well within us. And from the way we love one another, it will be the gospel light to those on the outside that want to come and be part of us. That's exactly what Paul tells us here and what we give our full attention to. Our love for witnessing this gospel in our life by living in community together and living it out in that world around us. Let's give our full attention to the reading and the preaching of his word. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. What do we know about God's word? The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Father, we say that week in and week out, but we believe it. Help us in our unbelief. We believe that you speak truth to us as we open your word. We pray that you would then open our eyes that we might behold the beauty of that word and see this beautiful picture of our hope uh, in the unity of the body that we are not in this life alone, nor are we ever. Not only uh, will you never leave us or forsake us, but you even give us one another, fellow brothers and sisters, to live this gospel together and to live this gospel in the world around us. So please, Father, as we focus our attention on our love for witnessing, would you please be our teacher this morning by the divine power of your Holy Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Please, friends, be seated. No doubt I've told you several times my affection for the TV show Cops. 
uh, having been a, a fireman for 10 years before I went into seminary, that action-oriented personality and, and mental uh, ability of, of where I wanted to be in the center of all of the things, bringing order to chaos. And so I, I love this uh, particular show and watch it quite often. And now it just seems to be in one channel in my U-verse. It's on all the time. I can, I can just watch it nonstop for 24 hours a day almost. But being, being a little bitty guy, I don't know if you noticed that or not, but being a little bitty guy, I, I always enjoy uh, watching those, uh, those episodes where there's you know, a young female officer or a small uh, framed male officer, and they need to, they need to kick the door down uh, into some particular residence, and they'll, they'll rear back and you know, kick it with one foot. And, and when the little guy knocks it down on one kick, I always applaud. Inside, I'm thinking, good for him. Good for him. But when there's this big guy and he hauls off and he kicks that door and it almost breaks his leg or his foot and then he has to haul off and kick it a second time and then kick it a third time, I always feel badly for the guy because I think he knows. I mean, they're right there with that big video camera, you know, and he's on national TV and he can't even do uh, this part of his job in kicking the door down, and I always feel badly for those for those guys. Yeah, maybe just a little bit, uh, but uh, it, it really is kind of uh, amazing to me. But then, then there are also those other episodes where they're in the station, you know, and they're all in the planning room, and the sergeant's drawing out on the whiteboard up there about the the layout of the house and and who's going to do what. And then in the middle of the night, there's this team that pulls up. And the truck backs up and takes a chain and hooks it to the big metal storm door thing. And he yanks it off as he drives off. And then two guys run up with a big ram and they smash that door in. And then everybody runs in. And all of a sudden, all of this chaos that you see comes to perfect peace as all of the bad guys are laying on the floor in handcuffs and the police have done their job. With one body, one unity, one purpose, one group, they enter into this chaotic place and they bring order. They bring order and peace. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul is telling us here in Ephesians chapter 4 that ought to be the picture of the church. But friends, way too often we live splintered lives. We live splintered lives in the fact that we, are, we may be part of the body, but we give little attention to the body as it is relative to the amount of attention that we give to ourself. My goals, my aspirations, my desires, my wants takes precedent over everything else. This is the way that we oftentimes live our lives. We live our lives filled with pride. You know, pride did make the top seven of deadly sins. Matter of fact, it was number one because it's so, it's so prevalent in all of our lives that we, we, we give more attention, more desire to self than we do to our brothers and sisters. We say we are a gospel-driven church and a gospel-driven people here at Redeemer, that we have a passion for worship, we have a passion for the word, we know we must work, we must take care of our facility, we must have a budget, we must have staff, we must have policies, but we also say that we have a passion and a love for witnessing witnessing the gospel with one another in the way we live in peace and unity with one another 
which then is a witness, a testimony to that gospel at work in our lives with those that are outside our body as well. Pride destroys your witness. Pride destroys your witness on the inside and pride destroys our witness on the outside. That's exactly why Paul says right here in this passage, the last part of verse 4, you were called to one hope, one hope when you were called. And that hope is the gospel that is found only in Jesus Christ, not your ability to earn your salvation, but the gift that is given to you. That is one hope that has been worked in your heart and in your mind, one hope to which you have been called. And therefore, he says before in verse 3, you are to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. When we do... We are witnessing to one another the hope of the gospel that is at work within us. And we are witnessing that same hopeful gospel to the world outside. So we've spent a couple of weeks now looking at our philosophy of ministry. Word from Pastor Belanger 119 of Psalm uh, two weeks ago. Last week from 1 Peter chapter 2. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. You're a royal priesthood. Set apart to declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And now today we focus on our witness. Our witness inside, witness in reach, and our witness outside, witness outreach. And that's exactly what Paul addresses in Ephesians chapter 4. He, sp he begins in the first six verses, our text this morning, talking about this unity of peace, the hope that's ours in the gospel and the way we witness that by living in community together. And then he spends the rest of the letter talking about how that then would become a testimony or a witness to the world around us. He gives us, actually, as he begins these first six verses, he gives us four characteristics that reveal that we are actually witnessing the gospel's work in our hearts and in our minds and in our lives. Look at verse 1. He says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. He begins with this characteristic that should be ours in the body of self-sacrifice. We are not unified, friends, listen, we are not unified by one common cause, like a common cause of world hunger, defeating world hunger, or standing for life, or injustice, or racial tension. All of those are things that we ought to give our attention to. But that is, it's not a cause that unifies the body of Christ. It is the person, Jesus Christ, that unifies the body of Christ. Look at what he says. As a prisoner for the Lord, not for some common cause, but I am a prisoner, Paul says, because I have died to myself, just like you and I are called to die to ourselves. We are prisoners to the very one who has given his life for us. So it's not about you. It's not about me. It is a self-sacrifice to the very one who died for us to bring us in to the body. As a prisoner for the Lord, then he urges us to live that way, to live a life worthy of the calling to which we have been called. The Greek word there is ecclesia, from which we get our word ecclesiastical. It means the called out ones. 
And Paul has used this word already. In chapter 1, he used it in verse 4 of chapter 1. For those he called or chose in him before the creation of the world. He used it in 1.11. In him we were also called or we were chosen, having been predestined before the foundation of the world. He used that same word in verse 18. Enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you have been called, uh, the riches of his glorious inheritance. He goes on to expound upon that in chapter 2. When he calls about the two separate individual, the two separate groups, the circumcised and the uncircumcised, but he brought the two together in one because he is our peace, chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself is our peace who made the two one to destroy the barrier. In chapter 3, he says the same thing. He was a preacher to the Gentiles so that he could have a prayer at the end of chapter 3 for all of the Ephesians. For this reason, then, I kneel before for the Father and his whole family. He's been giving us this picture since the beginning of his letter, that it is a self-sacrifice that brings us into a unified body. It's not about you, not about me. We are prisoners for the Lord. We're called to be prisoners for the Lord and put him first. The second characteristic comes then in verse 2 of chapter 4. Be completely humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another in love. Pride, dear friends, fosters conflict. Pride fosters conflict because in our pride, we think our way is better than another way. And so instead of agreeing with one another or loving one another despite our disagreements, we elevate ourselves. we fail to listen to someone else's point of view, whatever it may be, because we're elevating self and pride fosters conflict. Paul talked about the same author of Ephesians, talked about that to the church in Rome. Romans chapter 12, he said, For it is by grace given me that I say to every one of you, do not think more highly of yourself than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given to you. He said the same thing in Philippians to the church at Philippi. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain deceit or conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each one of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So what is Paul saying? In chapter 4, verse 2, friends, he's using descriptive words that are descriptives of the one that we are a prisoner to, the Lord Jesus. Be completely humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another. Who was the only one who perfectly did that other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself? He's using descriptive words of the Savior, the Savior that we're prisoners of, to say this is the way you ought to be living your life. You ought to be gentle with one another, loving with one another, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. That is our Christian character. It ought to be if we say that we are witnessing the gospel's work, the redemptive work that's in our hearts and in our lives. The third characteristic comes in verse 3. He tells us to keep the peace, make every effort to keep peace and unity in the spirit through the bond of peace. We're to be key, uh, peacekeepers. 
Not peacemakers, although we have other passages in the Bible that talk about making peace with one another when we, are, when we need to be reconciled with one another. But here he tells us to be peacekeepers. Keep the peace. Not make the peace, but keep the peace. What is he saying then? Look at verse 3 and 4. This peace that you have that brings about unity is the result of the work of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Capital S, Spirit. And then he goes on in verse 4 to say there is only one capital S, Spirit. Do you see what he's saying? The Holy Spirit at work within us to seal this gospel work in our hearts and minds gives us not only peace with the Father, reconciliation, but He now gives us peace with one another. You are to keep what it is that has already been given to you. As sons and daughters of the living God, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. I have been given peace, reconciliation by the finished work of Christ with my heavenly Father and now that puts me at peace with you and I am to keep that as I display, as I witness this gospel work in my life. The fourth characteristic comes in in fourth, uh, verse 4, 5, and, and 6, our text this morning. There is only one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all, in all, through all, is all. Sound doctrine. The fourth characteristic that we live, in addition to the sacrificing of ourself, the Christian character that we display, the making and keeping of peace that is given to us by the gift of the Holy Spirit, we are called to sound doctrine. And yet many times, haven't you heard this before? Oh, we want to avoid conflict, so we just avoid, we avoid doctrine. Because doctrine divides. And you believe what you want to believe, and I believe what I want to believe, and, and we'll, have, we'll have peace that way uh, if we just avoid doctrine. Let's just talk about love, and let's talk about the things that we can do together as the body of Christ, and let's avoid those difficult things. Friends, you take away sound doctrine, and all you're left with is a myriad of opinions, personal opinions, that I could not care less about. In our small group studies, don't you see this when we get together? Well, what does this text say to you? Well, this text says to me that by, with all due love and affection, I don't care what you think this text says to you. I want to know what the text actually says. What is Jesus saying to us? Not what does it say to you, but let's do what Jesus tells us to do. Sound doctrine. He does that with Seven uses of the word one and four uses of the word all. He's telling us that there is one body, one hope, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one, one, one. And it comes in the one who is, is all, over all, through all, and in all. There is no other name under heaven by which mankind can be saved except the name Jesus Christ. I don't care how much you want to water it down so that we can be tolerant with one another. Apart from faith in Christ alone is a, a life that is destined to perish in hell for all eternity. Did you watch the inauguration this past week? Did you hear the prayers? 
those prayers of the people that got up there and wouldn't refer to the name Jesus. And then the first one who finally did said it at the very end by saying, respectfully given in Jesus' name. It wasn't until the female pastor got up there and said, I've come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she preaches it, or at the praise and at the end in the name of the Father and the Son and only through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And I thought, finally, finally we get to the one Faith, the sound doctrine, apart from Christ, friends, will never have unity. Apart from Christ, you will never have unity with your heavenly Father. But that is the hope of the gospel. Now listen very carefully. What Paul is saying here to us, this one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one spirit, all of he's giving us the, the core of our doctrine. The core of our doctrine, friends, is Jesus Christ alone. Now, we have spent a couple of years. In 2015, the focus was on building community. In 2016, last year, the focus was on living and preaching the gospel around us. In 2017, the first half of it anyway, we are going to focus on the person of Jesus Christ. Because when you look at your creeds, an ancient faith for modern people... Creeds that were written hundreds and hundreds of years ago that we still recite today. Think about it. They begin with one little bitty phrase. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And then at the very end, I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body. But in the middle is this extended version of I believe in the, the Son the one who was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. There's an expanded version in the center on the work in the person of Jesus Christ because this has been attacked since the first century. Who is Jesus Christ? Fully God, fully man. And he demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, he died for us because there is no other name under heaven by which mankind can be saved other than the name Jesus. That's where we're going to focus. That is our core. That is the non-negotiable. We will not water down the core of Christianity which is found in the person of Christ. From the core then come our commitments and our commitments may be things that we have differing opinions. Unity in the body doesn't mean that we are all robots, that we all think the same way, and there's no, there's no differences between us. In our commitments, we follow the lead of our elders. We have taken a commitment as Redeemer Church to say, we are going to be traditional liturgical in our worship style because we feel that this is what God has called us to do in the place in which he has put us, and we will not change that. We say that in the intro class, out of all love and affection. If you think you're going to come and make us a little lighter in our worship style, then let us help you find the place that you can fit, because we are not going to change. This is our commitment. We are called to traditional liturgical worshiping uh, church, an ancient faith for modern people. Now... We are not saying that contemporary churches are sinful and wrong. Our commitment is to this particular style. So we may have differences. The core is non-negotiable. 
Jesus the Christ. No other way. There are not multiple gods that we call by different names. There is only one God, Yahweh. But our commitments then, we, we stand by following the lead of our, of our spiritual leaders, our elders. We put ourselves under the authority of our elders by uniting to the body and standing firm in our commitments where we may have some differences as well. You see that? You see the characteristics then? Charles Spurgeon said this. Listen to this wonderful quote. He said, The devils are united as one man in their infamous rebellion. While we believers in Jesus are divided in our service of God and scarcely ever work together in unity. The evil ones, the evil ones come together. They're coming together to attack us, I guarantee you. The church will experience an attack in the years ahead like we've never seen before. And they're all coming together while the church of Jesus Christ is splintered because in our pride we elevate self instead of loving one another. Unity. The hope of unity, unity by definition is the coming together. And if we say that we have this gospel of grace at work within us, then it is a coming together in this common gospel. So we are not walking away from our problems. We are not walking away from our marriages. Your marriage is based on this same gospel that you say you believe in here ought to be applied in your home. Extending forgiveness and mercy and love to one another. If you say you're a Christian and the work of the gospel is alive and well in your heart, then it ought to be seen in our marriages. It ought to be seen in our relationships with our neighbors and our friends. And it ought to be seen in our relationships with one another in the church. This is not just some place where we come together, like I said last week, when all the stars and the planets line up. The kids were in their best behavior this morning. I got everything ironed. The, the clock went off at the right time. So today I'll go to church. Some of you we don't see for months at a time. How can you be part of the body of Christ if you're absent from the body of Christ? You cannot be. He calls us together in a unified a fashion to experience and live the peace that the gospel brings. If you say you believe that, then we ought to be displaying all four of these characteristics. But it gets even better than that. Because now he says, this is what I've done for you. We'll never do that on, I can't stand up here and just say, get out there and try harder. Just stop doing this and start doing that. That's no gospel. That's a, that's a moralistic sermon that Paul would say would be an anathema that is no gospel at all. But the gospel that is lived inside, your best friends ought to be right here in this room. Not your only friends, because there are people out there that need the gospel that we need to befriend. But our best relationships, our love, our sacrifice for one another, our extending forgiveness to one another and love to one another ought to be experienced right here as we witness and reach this gospel together. To that end then, friends, this is the year now, 2017. Let me just, application very quickly. By way of application, 2017, we do the well one year, Wednesday evening, living and learning. And then we do small groups. And then the well, and then small groups. And then the well, 2017, is the year for small groups. And I am putting together currently a study for us to do this book right here. David Paulison's new book called Good and Angry. Good and Angry. 
Because chapter 2 asks the question, are you an angry person? And it is a one-word chapter. Yes, that's all he says. <laughs> that's the quickest read that you'll ever find. We're going to do this book. We're going to do it through our parishes. Each parish is going to have a minimum of two small groups because we have people that live spread out from each other. So if within a parish, we're going to have like a north and a south group or a, or a west and an east group or a central and a north and so forth. We're going to put together parish groups, small groups, and we're going to study this book together dealing with our bitterness, our rage, and our anger, and redirecting them to those things that Jesus was angry about. He got angry when truth was abolished, instead of when somebody pulls in front of you on the highway. This is the book for 2017, March and April, six to eight weeks, for inreach, witness inreach, that we are going to be studying together. More information to come. I'm going to get you your own copy even give you a copy of the book and trust that you'll be part of a small group according to your parish. When we come together, friends, and we deal with this anger and bitterness and dissension and disunity, and we realize that the hope of the gospel is ours through one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father who is over all, in all, through all, then, my friends, we realize, then we realize we are a royal priesthood, a holy people, a people belonging to God who have been called out of darkness into his light. Why? To declare, to declare that word that we looked at last week, to repeat this pattern of declaring the praises of the one who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. That's what Peter told us last week, and that's the same thing that Paul is saying right here. Go ahead and look at chapter 5, verse 8. Look what Paul says there. In Ephesians 5, 8, he says, You were once in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. You were once in darkness, but now you are living in the light of the Lord. That's why he goes back now to verse 17 of chapter 4, and he gives us uh, this. I insist on this in the Lord, that you must no longer live like the Gentiles do. Friends, the Apostle Paul, by divine inspiration through the work of the Holy Spirit, is saying to us, we cannot live like Gentiles living in the darkness anymore. Look at verse 17 and following. I insist on it that you don't live like the Gentiles in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding, separated from God. They're ignorant. They have hard hearts. They have no sensitivity, only sensuality. They indulge in every kind of impurity. They lust for more. Verse 25, they've put off falsehood are put on falsehood, they don't speak truthfully, they don't love their neighbor, they let the sun go down on their anger and their wrath. Verse 29, they have unwholesome talk, it doesn't build up others. And then verse 32, they're not kind and compassionate. Verse 31, they have bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander. You see it, that's, what's, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying we're not supposed to be anymore. The Gentiles walking in darkness live like that. But he tells us, look at verse 8 of chapter 5 again. Look at the tense. You were once in darkness, but you're not in that darkness anymore because now we are children of the light. Once we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. Once we had not had, didn't have mercy, but now we do have mercy we are a royal priesthood, a chosen people, a holy nation. It's what we said last week, that we might declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into light, which means now we're supposed to live in this light. 
It's not rocket science. We live in this light because the light of the gospel has been shined upon us. So now what do we do? Verse 8 of chapter 5. We don't live in darkness anymore, but we live as children of the light, bearing fruit, the fruit of goodness and righteousness and truth, doing what pleases the Lord. Verse 15, we're careful not to live as the unwise, but wise, making every opportunity useful. In verse 18, we're not getting drunk on wine, we're not involved in debauchery, but we're filled with the Spirit, so we're speaking psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. He gives us a completely different list. The list that the Spirit, capital S, works in the body of Christ. So my question then is this, has that Spirit worked this gospel in you? If he has, then it ought to be seen in the way you live your life. Has that spirit worked this unity, this hope, this love, this connection that we have for one another in here, in Redeemer Church? If so, it ought to be seen in the way we're treating one another, the way we're forgiving one another, loving one another, building one another up. Watchman Nee was... uh, gentleman from China, a theologian from China, wrote a, wrote a commentary on the book of Ephesians. And in his commentary on this book, he tells an illustration that he remembered from childhood where a, a gentleman owned a piece of property on the side of a small hill. Uh, and then another owner owned the one just below him, right before the river. And this man up here was a Christian. This man below him was not a Christian. Every morning, the Christian would go down to the river and take a hand pump, and he would hand pump water all the way up to his rice field, and he would flood his rice field on the top. And when his work was done, he would go inside. And then this man, the unbeliever, would come and he would dig a a hole in the wall that separated his property from the other, releasing all the water out of the Christian's field to flood his own field. Every day, he kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. The Christian finally asked another friend, what what could I do? What should I do about this guy who keeps doing this every morning, stealing my water? The answer was simple. It was easy, and it worked. He got up every morning, the Christian did. He went down, and he flooded the, the neighbor's field before then he, in turn, flooded his own field. And over time... This man became a believer because of the work that this man did every single day to live out the gospel of grace in front of him. That, my friends, is what we're called to do. That's witness. It's witness in reach, loving the Lord this much that we would serve others in hopes of others seeing Christ in us. Do you love witness? Do you love to witness the gospel work in here? Do you love to witness the gospel out there? Let's do it. Let's do it today and every day until the day he comes again in the fullness of his glory. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Father, thank you that you have worked this gospel in our hearts and in our minds. We are filled with pride many times, Lord Jesus. Many times we put ourselves over you. And we would simply pray, Lord, that you would forgive us of our sin yet again. Remind us that we are a royal priesthood, not just individuals, individuals that come together as one people, one body, 
to declare your wonderful work of the gospel of grace in our hearts and in our minds by the power of your spirit. Lord, I pray for unity and peace in Redeemer Church. Remind us that, uh, that you are king and head of your church. Cause us to live together in community, to love one another. We have an opportunity to do that even today, Father, in our fellowship meal. So may there be much talk about grace around our tables today, Lord, as we encourage one another and build one another up and grow in our love and affection for one another. Lord, do that so that the world might see it. And seeing it, they wouldn't say, look at those hypocrites, but they would say, look at the way they care and love for one another. I got to have what it is that they have. And it would be an opportunity for us to speak of the hope that's ours in Jesus Christ alone. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. Seal it to us today and every day, please. In Jesus' name, amen. If you are seated on the inside row, would you please reach forward and grab that black pad that's under the seat in front of you? 